Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church and School in Blackhawk, South Dakota, is happy to share God's Word preached for you by Pastor Randy Sturzenbecker. We pray that you will rejoice in Christ crucified and resurrected for you. The waters of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the forgiveness of sins, all for you, from Jesus. The Old Testament reading for today is from Amos chapter 9. In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they, mo- that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Behold the days are coming declares the Lord when the plowman shall take over the reaper and the trader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in reciting the catechetical review found in the center of your bulletin. The second article, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. This is most certainly true. Our epistle reading for this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
This is the Holy Gospel according to John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I would ask the children to come down front and uh, join me. Good morning. Good morning. I'm waiting. <laughs> Good morning. Morning. Can you guys imagine being at a being at a party, being at a celebration, and then suddenly, like your favorite drink, you've run out of? Can you imagine something like that? Yeah. Well, they run. You can. You can imagine that, huh? Running out of food, or like your favorite your favorite drink, or something like that. Well, I just read in the gospel this morning, there's this, there's this wonderful story that we see only in the gospel of John where Jesus is at a wedding. He's at a wedding celebration. And uh, he's there, and what happens is, is that um, they run out of wine. They run out of wine for the celebration. Now, do you know what Jesus did? He made more wine. That's exactly right. Now, this was no small thing because um, do you guys have any idea? Any of you have any idea how much a gallon is? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So if you think of, a, of your, your gallon of milk that you usually see in your refrigerator at home, that's like one gallon. Now, these water jugs, these water jars in our story today, um, held about 20 to 30 gallons of water. That's a lot. Now think about that. Now there were six of these jars and Jesus told these servants to fill these jars with water. And you know what happened immediately? Those big jars turned into wine. That's right. And not only that, but it was the best wine because we know that the, the guy who was in charge of the feast, so they took it to him and he said, wow, you've saved the best wine. You've saved the best until last, he said. It's pretty, uh, 
So here's a, here's a picture. Here's a picture of what, you guys see this, of what those stone water jars might have looked like. See how big they are? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a little bit bigger than, th- than that, but yeah, held a lot of water, okay? Now, can you guys think of somewhere else in this building, in this place where we are right now, where Jesus does something else really awesome with some water? Yeah, he kind of, kind of, sort of, but here in your baptisms, pastor talked to you about this last week too, but in your baptism, he does something special with that water because it's a water with his word where he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he puts his cross upon you. And that, that's even better than just changing water into wine, okay? Because in our baptisms, he's, he's done that for us. And that's not magic or anything. You guys remember, what kind of water is in the baptismal font? Water. It's just water. That's right. Anything, anything special about it? No. But he took that and made it, made it something wonderful for us because he combined that water with his word and his promises for you where he said he will never leave you nor forsake you and he will always be with you. To make in the story, it was six. There was six of them, six big water jars. Yeah, and I don't think they probably. I don't think they probably ever ran out of wine even after that point. He made so much wine. That's right. Good math. Well done. That's very good. Well, shall we pray? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for turning the water into wine and thank you in our baptism that you've delivered to us forgiveness of sins through that water in your holy name we pray amen thanks guys you can go back to your seats we continue with our sermon hymn
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, who doesn't enjoy a a good celebration? You know, there's several things that we celebrate, aren't there? We celebrate birthdays, we celebrate anniversaries, we celebrate graduations from, from high school, college, all of those things, accomplishments, parties, and things like that to to celebrate, celebrate those things. Well, you may be at the point too, I would imagine, maybe uh, with parties and celebrations during the time, the, the, the last few weeks, maybe you're, you're kind of glad that's all over and that uh, things have kind of returned to normalcy for you a little bit and relatives, visiting relatives and all those things have gone back home. I was just thinking that In my vicarage, I've had the privilege and the honor of being part of uh, a few weddings in the last couple of years. Uh, A few of them have been memorable. One that I can really think of was this this past summer, early summer, um, where Pastor and I can attest that the Holy Spirit showed up at that wedding. Um, Because in uh, in Spearfish Canyon, the wind came sweeping through uh, right as the uh, right as the wedding began, so uh, it was a it was a memorable time and a very very joyous celebration. And I'm sure the couple will never forget that day because of that wind in Spearfish Canyon. Well, um, it's it's a great time of celebration and. We remember that this celebration, this, this joining of, of two as one flesh began in the Garden of Eden with our first parents, Adam and Eve. United as one flesh, Scripture tells us. Now, I can't imagine that any of us would ever expect to, at, at your wedding celebration or something to that effect, to, at your party, to run out of the wine for the celebration. Well, this happened here as we look at John's gospel today, uh, this, this wedding at Cana, which, which incidentally I, I mentioned is the only place where you find this story in the gospel of John. And I think there's good reason for that. But Jesus shows up at this, we- at this wedding celebration and maybe because he, he shows up with all of his disciples uh, that's part of the reason that the wine ran out. There was a lot of people there that day. That's not so important as it is as to what happened at the wedding at Cana that day. Well, as you heard in the scripture reading this morning, it took place on the third day. Now, anytime that you and I hear that in scripture, we know that when we hear that three, that third day It has relevance for us, and it's important, and it's pointing us somewhere. For it was on the third day that Abraham offered up his son Isaac to be sacrificed, for example. Elsewhere in John chapter 2, Jesus tells the Jews, he says, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. With this idea of the water, the water motif that is throughout uh, this reading for today, we see Jesus telling Nicodemus further in John chapter 3 that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 4, Jesus met the Samaritan woman there at the well and he said this, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's really, in, in light of all of that, it's no small thing then that we see this story right here as Jesus, before Jesus begins his ministry, the story of the wedding at Cana. I, I think it's easy sometimes when we look at this too, like we do, we can, we can do, we have to be careful when we look at scripture texts that we don't read too much into something as well. Because we know, dear, dear saints, that when we read the gospel and when we hear the gospel for us, that this is Jesus for us. Jesus, Jesus and forgiveness of sins for us. And we find that here in this story as well today. Jesus had often reminded his disciples that he came to serve and not to be served. And here at this wedding, he serves these people by turning the water into wine. This is what Jesus came to do, was to serve and to act on behalf of those in need, you and me. Well, as we read through the text, we see that it almost seems that his mother, Mary, is, is setting, him, setting him up in some way. It's like she's saying, well, he's the miracle worker, he can fix this. So when she tells Jesus they've run out of wine, Jesus gives her this very, very strange response, it seems. And he says, woman, what has this to do with me? My hour has not yet come. This perplexing. It's very interesting. You may, when we look at that, it, it, we may think, well, that's, he's almost, is he being disrespectful? Well, no, the sinless son of God is not doing that. And, and what is he saying here? And we're going to talk about that just a little bit later. But his mother, after his response, without missing a breath, she says to these servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus gives them instructions. He orders, he orders these servants to fill the six stone jars for purification, these jars that held about 20 to 30 gallons of water. And as good servants, they did what he told them to do. Well, and we know if we look at, jump ahead to the end of the text, we know that this wine was like nothing they'd tasted. For the master of the feast remarks this, he says, you've saved the best till the last. Throughout scriptures, we see how God describes his relationship with his people. Often it's described as a marriage. And we know that over the course of history, as we read the Bible, this isn't always seems to be a healthy marriage. And why? Why is that? Because one of the partners in that relationship seems to have an affinity for unfaithfulness. One seems to wander off and wander from the very one who sustains and supports her. In the Old Testament, we see this as the Israelites. In the New Testament, Christ is described as giving himself up for his church. And we get the clearest image of this in Ephesians chapter 5 today, our epistle, which says, Paul says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, husbands, when we read that, we see this is a very tall order for us. Come to the, to the uh, couples retreat next month, and we'll unpack that some more there, I'm sure. But we see this great love that Christ has for his church. He is the one who is constant, whose love is steadfast and everlasting, who, even when you and I are unfaithful, loves us and continues to forgive and take us back every time that we are unfaithful and we sin. This is no surprise again then that we see this Jesus at this wedding in Cana at the beginning of his ministry. And I believe it's because the Holy Spirit wants, to, wants us to see this connection of what the Son of God would accomplish for us through, through this wedding. It's no small thing then that this could be considered a centerpiece of his ministry. So Jesus says this, he says, My hour has not yet come to his mother when she, when she tells him that they've run out of wine. We have to ask ourselves, did his mother and disciples, did they understand what he meant with that remark? My hour has not yet come. Most likely there was, there was some head scratching going on. For with this remark, Jesus is already looking ahead to his hour. That is the hour in which the Lamb of God will willingly spill his blood for the sins of the entire world. When he turns the water into wine at Cana, this is pointing us ahead to the hour in which he would change the water into wine for us. That is, his blood, purifying the waters of baptism for us, covering us with that blood, making atonement for our sin, pointing us to the new covenant in which he will fulfill all the scriptures. And on that day, as the prophet Amos reminded us today, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, they shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. For Jesus has restored our relationship with the Father through his blood. These six stone water jars that we see in this story today, this is sort of representative of us. These stone water jars sitting there that could do nothing for themselves. Paul reminds us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We could not do anything for ourselves. Jesus washed us by the water and the word through his blood. He filled us with his Holy Spirit. And our stone cold deadness has been transformed into life. Unlike the broken relationships that we oftentimes can deal with in, uh, because of sin in our fallen world, our relationship with the Father has been restored because of what the Son has accomplished and this marriage feast at Cana is a glimpse of what we will be doing for all of eternity. When Mary said, they have no wine, this was pointing to the sacrifice of her son. For the son must give of himself in order that the church might have this wine. The washing and regeneration through baptism by the shedding of his blood. And we have inaugurated this in what, in what we do now in our worship in his, in his body and blood here as we celebrate this feast that will be never ending. And the joy that we see in this marriage celebration is what we get to practice now often. 
forgiveness of sins in your baptism, in the absolution, in the word, and in the supper. For we are his bride, and we are spotless and without blemish because of what he has done. And this is the true miracle of all of this, that he is faithful to us, his church, his bride, even when you and I can become unfaithful, when we don't do as we ought, when we leave things undone as we, as we confess, when we don't love our neighbors as ourselves, when we don't love our spouses as Christ has loved the church and given himself up for her, when we continue to struggle with our sin. Scripture reminds us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We wander, we go off on our own, we can follow our own desires, we want to shut off the voice of the shepherd, we don't want to listen to him sometimes. And our sin can get us stuck in some places that we didn't expect to be. Because we, like these sheep, can frankly, we don't know any better. But in this scene at the wedding in Cana, we get this picture of what it is for us in the kingdom of God. Because the one who came to serve gives us what we have need of. And dear saints, what you and I have need of is to be saved from sin. And this is accomplished, it's done through the new wine, the blood that was poured out by the Savior of the world for you. He took your brokenness, your stoniness, your emptiness, and he accomplished this for you. He fills you with his new wine. He brings to life what was dead. You are his new creation. This was what was foretold that was promised that the Redeemer would come to make all things new. And in this feast and celebration and worship, we continue to practice here in this temporal existence what we will be doing for all of eternity. Dear saints of God, revel in this marriage feast today. For you have been born, you have been washed, you have been redeemed by his holy precious blood that he shed for you. For we are his bride. And we have been made spotless and without blemish by him. He saved the best for last for you. And this wine of the new covenant that he gives of himself in this union with you, his bride. In the name of Jesus, amen.